Hello and welcome to I'm Not Doing This Without Alcohol. My name is Denise Ferguson from Fine Surveyor and today I'm here with Robin Wake. Hi Robin, how are you? I'm great, thank you Denise. I'm really, really excited about this podcast, not least because we get to have some of that whilst we're talking, which is brilliant. I know, I've just set up a, um, I'm doing a special episode for um, an expo that I'm doing on the 21st of October. So I've got like a whole bonus podcast going out and loads and I'm interviewing all of the speakers before the actual expo and loads of them keep coming back and go oh can you do like one o'clock in the afternoon and like you know two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like I mean I can drink during the day if you want me to but I mean it'd be easier if it's at 5 p.m and they're all like what and I'm like we drink on this podcast so yay Cheers. what are you drinking today then uh pale I've ale? got a brew, brew dog pale ale yep it's oh, one of my nice. favorite tipples so yep Wise choice. I'm sticking to the red today because, as I said to you before we came live, I've got three podcasts. So I know if I gently pace myself, I shouldn't be too slurry by the end of it. Excellent. Well, I, I, I kind of feel a little bit for the third person. So <laughs> I feel for me by the third person. Oh, goodness, yeah. <laughs> so, Robin, what's your business called and what do you do? Uh, so the, the, the company is called Fearless Business. So we're a, a coaching practice who helps other coaches, consultants and freelancers, basically anybody who charges time for money, uh, escape that rat race and package up what they're doing, price it more confidently. We teach them how to articulate their value better. Um, and as a result of that, we're, we're the antithesis to most marketers out there. Um, we like our clients to have half the clients, but double the income. That's the plan. That sounds like the plan for everyone. What got you into that? Uh, well, it's a, do you want the long version or the short version, Denise? I want your version. My version. Okay. So, I, well, I ran a I ran a marketing agency. That wasn't terribly exciting for twelve years. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I'll I'll fast forward through that. But what um, what got me on the sort of productizing piece and pricing piece? Um, so, web design and um, uh, graphic design. They're they're very typically like time for money type trades. So. Uh, you would build a website, it would take you 20 hours, you charge £50 an hour, and that's how you price it. And um, towards the end of that, the last couple of years, I got a little bit um, bored of that model. I think people were also pulling our pants down a little bit um, in terms of our clients, um, obviously metaphorically, not not um, actually. We can, dis- we can it, discuss yeah. that in a minute. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that'd be slightly worrying, wouldn't it? Um, and uh, so I, and I also just got annoyed that um, it, it, the pro- process kind of just was taking too long and not least um, for ourselves, but our clients were getting um, frustrated as well um, by the whole process. So I'm, I'm a numbers guy. I love working out problems. And so I thought there has to be a better way to do this. So what we ended up doing was creating a series of um, one day workshops, interactive workshops where we get our client in, they would um, they'd spend the day with us. And by the end of the day, for example, they would walk away with um, a, a brand new logo, the electronic versions of it, something they were really proud of. They'd actually been a part of creating. They'd have a two page style guide, um, all sorts of fun things. Um, and the nice thing was if we could um, if we had the capacity, we could literally book them in the next day. I'd have a graphic designer with me. I'd lead it they'd walk away with all of those assets and what was um uh, where where it started to get really interesting um so we were we were sort of very typical charging sort of 50 pound an hour and um somebody said can you do it tomorrow and this is urgent and i they were they there was a couple of little red flags which popped up and i thought i need to introduce a bit of a tax here because they could be a pain in the ass um so I said i call that dickhead tax yeah yeah ours is pain in the ass tax pitaf pitaf tax 
But um, so I trebled the price and they said yes. And I thought, oh, oh that was that was a bit too easy. Um, and actually, and, and it actually went really well. They were brilliant. Um, they were so, so pleased with the outcome. And off the back of that, um, uh, I wrote uh, my first book. I started to get people inviting me to come and uh, other agencies invited me to come teach them how to um, productize what they were doing. Um, you know, sort of selling on our one day branding workshop to other agencies. Um, and then then that side of the sort of teaching and coaching took over, because then when you get into then selling intellectual property, all of a sudden the value of that goes up another three times. So um, I had a business partner as well. And this is this is kind of um, where I actually finally made the, the sort of transition to shift from agency into coaching practice in 2016. And he used to do a lot of the web design work. And I, whilst I was doing everything else in the business and one day he he's lovely like best guy was you know really good guy we're still best of friends um and we've worked together for years we used to work together in a company even before that and before we set up the company together and one day he just woke up and he said robin i don't want to build websites anymore and i was like oh well that's good but i considering i do the accounts sales marketing i do web design myself i do the branding stuff like i'm doing everything else and all you do is build websites what are you going to do and he's like well this consulting thing you're doing is taking off so i thought we could just make money off that and i was like hell no because that means i'm doing everything now so we went our separate ways and then i realized that just the agency had got to a point where it got a bit stale and um i had a team of four people who were slightly dysfunctional as well possibly because they were led by me um <laughs> And it's always uh, the boss's fault. And I, well, I, yeah, run, I, yeah, I, I run the take, business and I blame myself. hundred percent. I always, I always take responsibility for anything that goes wrong under my, under my watch, but um, yeah, it actually came to a head and this is kind of the, the, the punchline for the story, I guess. Um, I'm a keen cyclist and I was out with my club on a Sunday morning and I went down a, a hill at 50, over 50 miles an hour on my push bike, which is quite fast on a bike. It is. And I got to the bottom and the adrenaline kind of all kicked in and everything. And I just broke down. Um, uh, I won't give you the gory details, but I ended up next to a, a railway line, just contemplating this, this kind of uh, beast that I'd, this monster I'd existential created. Existential crisis. Yeah. Um, train went past, obviously I'm, it ended well because I'm still here. But in that moment, I was like, right, I'm not going to do that. So I need to think up about what I am going to do. So I, I went home uh we already had one daughter by this point and my wife now that that day is eight months pregnant so I come home and I say darling I sit down I need to talk to you um I'm going to close the agency down so of course international sign of distress went out there was a bit of shouting oh what the fuck are you doing I'm eight months pregnant pow pow (laughs) yeah that went well, Rob. Um, so, uh, but no, it did, it, you know, my wife's incredibly supportive, you know. So essentially um, what you're telling me is you're great with timing and you know, everything like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And um, she, yeah, we, so I I ended up taking three months out. I sold the agency, not for a huge sum, but enough to kind of just see me through for a couple of years. Um, and I worked out, you know, because of the sort of consulting work I was doing, I was like, right, I'm going to call it a coaching practice. I mean, to teach other people how to do this. So I worked out what my step-by-step process was, how I was going to market it, how much I was going to charge for it, who my ideal client was, all of that good stuff. And never looked back. And thankfully, I did, um, you know, from the get-go in my first year coaching, I was into doing six figures. And it's kind of continued that way ever since. Yay! Um, yeah, I had one of those crisis moments as well. And I think... For me, and and I, because it happened to me, I 
think people who want to be successful need something like that. I think it's incredibly hard to continue the momentum of running a business if you don't have that huge thing that happened in your life. But for me, that kind of light bulb moment just rocketed me and makes me every day be not only a better businesswoman or a better leader for my um, team, but it also makes me want to be a better person all the time because I turned into a dickhead. And that alone makes me every day question the shit that comes out of my mouth. So I I'm, I love it when I hear other people had those moments because you hear so much about, oh, I don't want to hear another sob story. But, and, it's, and it genuinely isn't a sob story for me. It's the thing that keeps me going every day because the other thing I say on all these podcasts is running your own business is choosing which 16 hours a day you work. So <laughs> you can't maintain that without there being some reason why you're putting yourself through that. And yeah, there's some sort of end goal which doesn't have an end it's like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow but also there's the thing behind you that's going I am never going back to that so I love when I hear other people had those moments not necessarily maybe like you know hurling themselves for for 50 miles an hour down some sort of hill or something or that somebody who seems to be a nice guy is into biking because that's (laughs) wrong and surfing. I surf as well. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You should have led with surfing. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not quite as exciting, though, because you tend to go a bit slower on a surfboard, unfortunately. I think it's, it, I mean, kind of going back to what you were saying there about, I think a lot of business owners end up with this, uh, it's like you've got to have the bravado and you can't possibly let people know that you might have failed at something, but... You look at you look at like when you see the lineup on Dragon's Den, for example, you know, all of those entrepreneurs there, they've they've been up there and down there like a dozen times. They Oh, you know, more times than a horse draws. Yeah. And the way I look at it as well is like I had to go through that process in order to um, uh, be able to help my like clients in the future and the coaching practice. I think if I hadn't have hit burnout and that point of like self-destruction then. Um, and when I spot clients who are about to like, you know, about to go through something similar, you can kind of get in there and help them out before they actually hit that critical point. And I guess I get so much satisfaction out of that now I, with hindsight. I'm glad I went through that shit show, you know, five years ago in order to be able to sort of help people out now. Um, and, and but it's, you know, there's things I would have done differently, mind, um, sort of with hindsight. Um uh knowing what i know now about how to run a business um and uh, more of you know greater scale um i probably would have actually set myself up so that i'd have probably put an md into that business for example and allowed them to to run it so that i could then do this thing that you know i'm doing now and actually i'd have had sort of multiple businesses running at the same time and that would have actually been quite successful but i didn't know that at the time it's it's just through since you know when that all happened, I got into reading books. I hired, I went crazy on like hiring mentors and coaches. I signed up to all sorts of, um, you know, accountability groups and things like that. So my business knowledge in the last sort of, you know, five to seven years has just accelerated far beyond what I could have ever done in the first 12 years running that agency. I think you wouldn't be who you are now though, had you have put an MD in because that gap that you've had and the drive that you've had would have been a totally different Robin so we looking back is always 
a really interesting journey because we're looking back at something that we wouldn't be looking back from because the butterfly effect means that we just wouldn't be this person and the same with your family and everything like that I always look at that and when things aren't going you know amazingly well and something and you know you're you're working too much or you you know or you know I've got teenage kids you know when all of that's happening I think I always say we did the best we could with the knowledge we had at the time that we did it. And I think that's why you are where you are now. So what's the plans for the future? Like, is there one or is it let's keep going and see where this crazy ride takes us? Yeah, well, my I mean, a slightly random goal. So my goal with Fearless um, was always Fearless Business was always to get to the same turnover or exceed the turnover I had with my agency, but with it just being me. I got I got most of the way there and then realized that was a bit of an insurmountable task. So I've I've recently hired a marketing person over the last six months and she's been absolutely brilliant. You know, she's she's she is a, a randomly a female version of me near enough in terms of her approach to sort of marketing and uh business and things like that. And and um absolute godsend. But yeah, we're on track to to match the turnover in the next sort of um uh, six months or so, which is quite exciting, with just two of us uh, rather than five of us. Um, and then, yeah, beyond that, for me, it's about um, impact. So I know that I don't measure my success necessarily financially. I measure it based on the number of clients which we help. So at the moment, we're enrolling sort of about 40 or 50 clients in the program. Um, with, with the books and things like that, there's always it's like a ripple effect. So um, the best clients I get are the ones who have never paid me a penny. Um, and they're the ones I get the most, you know, the biggest kick out of. My wife doesn't get it because she's a lawyer and she thinks very logically. But when I get a client come to me and they've left a review, which says, you know, I, I applied one of the principles in Take Your Shot to my business and it's just doubled my turnover. Like they don't actually need me as a coach. But generally what happens is they'll come to me and say, I want to work with you. And it's a very different sort of contract at that point. It's out, it's because of, it's out of desire rather than them being beaten by a stick or running away from something because for whatever reason it's not working in their business so um yeah the more the more books i can get out there uh, the more people i can impact through doing things like podcast interviews and stuff like that the better the money i say is always a byproduct of a job well done if i'm doing that well i'm going to get paid well but yeah and then client wise you know we're, we're we're enrolling sort of 40 or 50 clients um a year at the moment so it's a successful practice I'd love to actually, wouldn't it be great if we were doing 200 plus clients a year? Again, it's about impact, four or five times the number of clients, four or five times the number of businesses, families, employees that they're hiring and all that good stuff. It's all of this ripple effect, you know, and ultimately that business would be punching for about a million, which, you know, who doesn't want a seven figure business, right? Yes, obviously. Without all the cheap, cheap um scammy stuff that you see on clubhouse and stuff like that it you know there's a lot of bs out there see i don't subscribe to any of those rooms i'm very lucky i have navigated my hallway into not having any of that nonsense anymore because it's soul destroying um but also i definitely know that i'm gonna have multiple seven figure business and that's great and it's all on a spreadsheet and that's all exciting but honestly definitely my life cannot be about the money and that's only over the last few years that I've been able to realize that because before it had to be about the money because I was a single mom with two small kids and you know I had to feed them and clothe them and you know pay pay my mortgage and the only person that that could do that was me because there was nobody else here And as I've kind of 
don't have that issue anymore. The money side of it wasn't cutting the heart, you know, it wasn't touching the heartstrings anymore. And the thing that was, was what you said, helping people and not the ones that pay me or anything like that. Like, I, I love that too, because the outcome's incredible, but definitely the ones who can't afford me and turn up to my clubhouse rooms or, or watch my lives or, you know, DM me and ask a question and I, you know, put it in my groups and you know, give everyone the knowledge, all of those things, they're the things I live for now. And I say, and, you know, and I, I had that, we had a, a really emotional day today. It's just one of those days where lots of crazy things happened. And I said over and over again today in lots of different meetings and forums that I was in, that the reason that I show up all the time and tell the stories about, you know, the ups and downs of my life and, and demonstrate that it's not all rosy all the time. In fact, it's rarely rosy because I'm a normal human being. The reason I tell those stories every day is because I want people to realize that are a step behind me, that you're not alone. And that even when there's somebody that you look at and say, oh my God, look, they're so successful. They've got it all together. No, they fucking haven't. Like none of us have got it all together. If you speak to, um, you know, Jeff Bezos or um, Grant Cardone, they have days where things aren't going to plan that, that they're ups and downs and that it's all nonsense and that things scare them and that there's crazy and stuff like that and if we don't tell those stories then the people behind us are like oh I'm never I'm never going to get anywhere or this doesn't make sense or I feel like giving up but when they hear one of us say it's okay to feel scared and I feel scared it's okay to feel like you know the family life isn't working out because I feel like the family life it's okay to feel overworked because I feel like I'm over and I tell those stories over and over again and past stories and all of that because it's it's our job to do that so that it's it paves the way for people and I wish that I'd surrounded myself with people like that when I was building my business because it would have helped so much because I felt so alone and I did all of those you know trying to find the quick answers and stuff like that and it was only when I kind of calmed down and felt comfortable in myself my business that I realized there is no quick answer the quick answer is keep fucking working hard 100%. 100%. I, I know you're not digging the, the cycling necessarily, Denise, but um, one, of, <laughs> one of my best, one of my best um, uh, anecdotes that has stuck with me, actually. Um, so going up a hill when I first started, I'd, I'd only been doing it, I probably I was on like my 10th ride or something on this shonky bike that my brother built me. It's like a steel frame thing. Going up this hill at about three or four miles an hour, I probably should have just got off and walked up the damn thing. And this guy, like me, my version of me now, goes ripping past in his Lycra and his smart carbon bike and everything. And I shouted at the road. I said, oh, you're making that look fucking easy, aren't you? <laughs> and um, he shouted something back at me but there's, uh, and disappeared off at the hill. Anyway, there's like a really good community around cycling. So he waited at the top of the hill. He must have been up there ages because it took me about 20 minutes to get up <laughs> the thing. But he waited at the top of the hill and we had a really nice conversation. But there was one thing which he said, which always stuck with me because he said, oh, I'm not sure if you heard what I shouted back to you. I was like, no, I didn't catch it because you, you'd gone so far past me. Because you were me. literally <laughs> firing past yeah. me. And he, he, he said, um, he said it, it, mate, it never gets any easier. You just go faster. Yeah. And I was like, it's, it's so, that's such a great metaphor for, like, for life, for business, for everything. You just, you just find ways of getting more efficient and doing it faster. But actually, the reality is you still feel the same in terms of like, 
you know, problems, challenges and things like that. And I think there's a there's this one thing which I, you know, in the coaching space, especially that I think is um, nobody really kind of talks about. But there's there is a really dark side to like the coaching space. I would say that as many as 80 percent of coaches out there shouldn't be in business. They know diddly squat about the thing they're actually coaching about. I've been in business now. I know I don't look old enough to be in business, but I've been in business now for nearly 20 years. Right. And um, uh, 18 this is of where those... I compliment you at how, how young oh, yeah, you, you look. Oh, yeah, you say, yeah, no, you, yeah. don't look, you don't look Oh, older. not a day over yeah. 21, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was fishing. <laughs> you can tell what sort of day I've had. Um, so, uh, so, I'm yeah, not going to so... pay top trumps on that because I know I'll win. <laughs> don't, cut, never ask a woman her age. So <laughs> 21, we've discussed this. Obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, so best have a drink before I dig myself into a hole. Oh, I'll put you in that hole. <laughs> That sounded quite dark. Um, <laughs> so uh, what, what was the saying? So yeah, 80% of coaches, like, it's, it's a bit like, you know, you see the 21-year-old life coach, it's like, what the fuck do you know about life? The, the yeah. fitness professional, the, you know, all of these people who are out there, like, like touting stuff. Um, I, I did some, we- Do you know we... what? Before you carry on though, I, I admire the ones who are saying, I'm doing- the best I can with the knowledge I, I have not the ones who think they're the guru and the god and and all of that that worries me about how, where they are mentally that's oh, that worries me massively and I, I mean I've, I've got something which is like case in point for this as well so um so I I did one-to-one coaching for a couple of years and it was it was you know that was great um stayed in my lane very much about the productization piece pricing so practical I call it practical tactical business stuff bit of marketing as well because that's from my, my the, the other side of things but we then transferred into a group program because I started to get quite popular <laughs> big cab um <laughs> but we, we I'll, I'll you know, get we, you on that one in a minute <laughs> all right thank you um so yes yeah, so we, we 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 started growing the business and I couldn't cope with all those one-to-one clients so I created a group version of it and that that was that went very successfully and um we've always had a money-back guarantee on our products okay so and there's various different things like you know around it's not just can I have my money back please Robin there's there's things you've got to do in order to make sure that you know the guarantees kind of you know robust but um we had one client and we threw the kitchen sink at her everything and um she followed all of the instructions she watched all the videos she showed up to all the coaching calls we tried and tried and tried and throughout all of this I mean I'd done my best to sort of qualify in in the first instance but um there was just something about there was just a blockage in there just around mindset or something like that and I said um when I had a, a, a personal private conversation with them, I just said, listen, I said, um, I'm actually going to make this decision really easy for you. I'm going to give you all of your money back because this hasn't worked for you. Um, um, but, I, but I don't want you to spend it on another business coach because I think there's a blockage here around entrepreneurship, business or something. I can't put my finger on it. I'm not qualified. But I actually think you should probably go and see a hypnotherapist or a therapist or something just to go a bit deeper on a personal level. And um, anyway, she she went away. She hired another business coach. It didn't work. She asked for money back. They didn't give it to her. Okay. Yeah. So, but that's not my That's her responsibility. At that point, she made that choice. Now, what I did because I was like, because there was a couple of things where people were struggling with momentum, struggling with mindset, and things like that. And I was like, I don't have a certificate to help these people, but I really want to help them. And what I actually ended up doing was bringing in. So we do weekly coaching calls now with our clients. Have done now for two and a half years. Um, I hired a um, really exceptional, um, uh, she was a, a high performance exec coach. 
um, she came through my program because she'd come out of corporate, uh, requalified, recertified. So she had this, the proper certification, um, but struggled on the business side of things. And I just really admired what she was doing. So I brought her in. So she now does a weekly mindset call. And I think this is where coaches who try and take on too much responsibility for themselves really let themselves down because they're fiddling with people's brains and bodies and things like that when they're just clearly not qualified for it. They don't, you wouldn't go and see a doctor you know, who who hadn't been to medical school, would you? It just wouldn't make any sense. It's not just that for me. I mean, they the doctor may well go to medical school, but if you're a general practitioner, then you're not going to know a lot about, you know, adrenal um, hyperplasia or, um, you know, the intricacies of MS and rheumatoid arthritis. You're just not going to know that. So a, a coach that has a coaching qualification is going to know how to coach a certain person, a certain type of person. They're not going to know how to coach the lady that you knew had a blockage because either she was uncoachable or she needed a very specific type of coach. And that is the problem that I see in the industry. The fact that you have a money back thing means that you're pre-qualifying people as to the types of people that you know you can coach because you you pre-qualify them. You don't want to take somebody on to then have to pay them back. And I think that's the issue. You People you know, bring everybody into their, their coaching program. And it's like asking a fish to to climb a tree. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that all of them are doing it for the wrong reasons. I think there are so many coaches out there that are doing it for absolutely the right reason to help as many people as they possibly can. And I understand that completely because I think that's how we work too. But I think also it leaves massive gaping holes in the type of people that you're talking about because they just go to the next one, the next one, and the next one. And then they come, I mean, they don't come to me for coaching. I'm not, I'm never going to be a coach, but I mean, they come to me for, cause they're, they're sad and upset and everything. Cause I have those sorts of rooms as well. And then they don't know what to do with themselves. And then I say, why are you going to all these coaches when there's clearly something wrong with you? And they're like, what? Like, like they've never even considered it because if you are uncoachable, it's not necessarily because you haven't found the right coach, although that might be one of the reasons. It's it's because you're not ready. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree with that. And that, but that's the so there, there's one piece. There's you know there's a self awareness about when you're buying something, but I think as a, when you're selling something, I think you have a duty of care to make sure that you're helping people make the right decisions. So I, I quantify this by there's a lot of you talked about sort of the money side of things, why people are actually doing this and. Like, don't get me wrong. The one goal in business is to make money, is to make profit. Otherwise, you're you, well. Even charities and not for profits have to make money because that's they make they, a lot yeah. of money. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. they make an awful lot of money. Um, so you know, other, if you don't make profit, you're going to go out of business at the end of the day. However, you know, you can do that with a sense of purpose and passion and vision and mission and values and all of that good stuff. But I see too many people, not just coaches, but too many business owners who, when they're sat opposite somebody trying to sell something, they're thinking. How am I going to pay my mortgage this month? Oh, I need to I need to go and like do my Sainsbury's online shop and there's not enough money in my, my bank account. So I need to sell this thing, right? And it's all about that person. It's not about the, their client, their prospective client. It's all about them. And I think that's when you kind of cross ethical and moral boundaries. You know, I would, I would rather be poor, homeless and destitute than take somebody's money when they're not a good fit for my program. I think that's really easy for you to say when you've not been in that poor, homeless, destitute, position because 
I, I have with, you know, two kids and not, a, you know. But don't get me of, wrong. I've struggled. I've yeah. come very close to the mark, like several but I, times. But I can see this both sides of the coins and I know, yeah. I know where I'm a better businesswoman and it's where I don't have to think about my mortgage. When I did, I can see the fear. Yeah. And, and I understand completely what you're saying. It does make you very dangerous because you aren't selling for the right reasons but that's why now I I do I'm, I'm a lighthouse I'm here when you need me I there is no way I go out and say you must come to me you must, I just I just can't because it just doesn't doesn't it's not who I am as a person and it wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night if I was that type of person. Let me offer you a shift. So those people, maybe there is somebody who's watching this who maybe their back is against the wall and they are struggling financially and they've got this one this one opportunity coming up. The danger with that is that they're, they're so narrowly focused on that one opportunity. It's like one degree of focus. They're missing the 359 degrees of other opportunity around them. Yeah. And often, often they might get so like focused on that that, you know, right you know right coming up right behind them is somebody who's got an offer that's 10 times the value of that one they're so heavily focused on and not only that but if that person doesn't buy that because of the way fear works and again I'm not necessarily qualified to fully do the psychological sort of analysis we can talk from our own experiences but fight fight flight and freeze and the way fear works we tend to take it personally when somebody says no to us and that has an even that's an even more of a negative effect because then all that happens is you go into this hole which you then struggle to come out of. And there's a zero degree of focus around that then of, of opportunity. It just, it no longer exists because it, again, it's all about you. So I think if you, you know, I think if people have a, a more, I, I don't, I'm not so keen on the woo woo words, but if people have a more abundant mindset, there is always much greater opportunity that comes into their lives. I, I think abundant attitude is so not woo because I, believe that it makes such a difference I'm a logical thinker I believe it makes such a difference to believe that there is an abundance that it's no longer a woo mentality it is very scientific if you believe in your heart and in your mind that there is enough for everybody you stop trying to compete you stop having the fear that you are going to fail and you just keep fighting for what you believe is still out there. And it makes the biggest difference in business ever. Yeah. 100%. It's the, the biggest needle shift that I've ever had. And it's um, so how I kind of phrase that to my clients is, um, you know, has somebody already done this before? Because if somebody else can do it, you can. And the second thing, so my whole bag but don't but don't narrow that down to the actual idea you have narrow it down to the environment you're in because so many people go oh but I've got an idea that nobody's thought of so it must be rubbish no Airbnb came from nowhere so did Uber all of those things no we are talking about if somebody's made it if somebody was adopted and homeless at 15 and you know didn't graduate and blah 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 and still made it and then you can like that's what we mean yeah 100 um but there's also um showing people that um there is a potential opportunity so um my my thing's all about pricing and one of the most common things i'll challenge people on is well hey listen um, could you double your prices? Like if I challenged you today, would you double your prices and, you know, tomorrow? 
And most people go, no, I couldn't possibly do that because nobody will ever pay those rates. And I say, how do you know? Have you ever tried it? And they go, oh, no, well, fair point, Robin. So how do we go about like increasing our prices? And then it's just a matter of like, like you, I'm, I'm left brain, very logical. So I'm like, we need data. Okay, so I, I qualified as a, as a systems analyst. I'm very data driven. You, you have a hypothesis, you create a program around it, and then you go and test it. And if it breaks, then you know that your hypothesis was wrong. If it goes to plan, then we know our hypothesis is right. So with something like pricing, for example, where, where I'll be honest, most 90% of business owners are massively underselling themselves and charging too little, uh, and then scratching heads going, where's all the money gone? I don't like at the end of the month. They could easily put their prices up if they could learn to articulate that value and with a bit of confidence. And that's what we do. Um, and I, I simply say to them, well, listen, to validate this idea that we could double our prices, go and pitch this product at that price to the next 10 people that walk into your coaching practice, consulting rooms, whatever it might be. And uh, and so they go, OK, yeah. So they go on this journey with us. But the, the challenge here is that the, the, it's like clients are like buses. And you will have experienced this, Denise. I'm sure many people watching this will have done. It's like out of those 10 people, you know, if you have a conversion rate of one in five, it will be the last two who say yes. So you've got to get through all of that rejection first in order to finally validate the idea. And then when somebody says yes, it's like, it's like oh, they're like, wow, that, that thing didn't exist before Robin came along and we, we had this conversation, but I've just done it. And actually it, it can happen in like a very short space of time, like four to six weeks. Um, and, and the most common thing which people say to me as well is, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe how easy that was. I can't believe they said yes. And the second thing they say to me is, I've already put my prices up. So all it takes is one client at a higher, and it doesn't have to be double, by the way. It could be 10%, and 20%, even, even I raised my eyes when you said double. I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, well, I always do double just to kind of, now it becomes a negotiation. Freak people we out. Set, yeah, we set, settle somewhere in the middle. Um, and that there's a process as well. So I, I do double to show people as a bandwidth. So um, uh, Denise, we could play a game. I could show you our process if, if you're game. I need to wrap this up in a minute, but we definitely will play it again. <laughs> Unless it's like a minute or two. It's a, I can do it in two minutes, guaranteed. Hit me. So, Hit right, me. so if there's a product which you sell that you're thinking about charging more for, what is it and how much is it at the moment? Lease negotiations, 1,250. 1,250, okay. Uh, if I told you to charge 5K for it, would you think I was mad? Yes. Okay. Is there a world where you could charge 5K for it? Just a teeny yes. weeny little bit of hope that you could. Okay, so now we've got a bandwidth between 1,250 and 5K, right? Now you don't need to say anything, but I'm going to start to increment those numbers like, like an auction and I'll know when we've kind of hit your comfort zone, okay? So... 1500 1800 2200 2500 yeah there we go so you need to go and pitch the next the next 10 people at 2500 and the reason for that is because i know you, between 22 that was inside your comfort zone 25 was outside okay and it's as simple as that now and then maybe we'd have to have a conversation offline about how do you do that confidently how do you articulate your value at that high level how do you handle some of those objections a bit of sales stuff but I think you're confident enough, Denise, that if you went out and pitched 10 people at 2,500, you would sell two, three, or four of those packages. Yeah. Oh, screw you, Robin. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, though. I just, I think we get in a comfort zone with pricing where we know that we're, I think for me as well, it was an altruistic 
business and it has been for such a long time that the thought of increasing the prices to the stage where I couldn't help everybody was a bit but I'm already at the stage where I can't help everyone so I think you are absolutely right it does need to happen at some point so thank you for permission well get paid 2500 for that product but write a book that solves the problem for as like inspires yeah. loads more people you see there's are you you are in control of that bandwidth there so let's create another product to solve that problem yeah thanks dad <laughs> so and Robin. by the way by the way denise please tell me you said you've got teenagers please tell me it gets easier when they get to teenagers <laughs> oh robin you're so funny no they are fucking awful great <laughs> yay good luck but you can drink wine uh, yeah that's probably going to happen a lot <laughs> yeah um so where can everyone find you if they need your help uh well i have a gift for everybody who's listening um if that's awesome. okay so yeah. uh the blue book which you see behind me there take your shot so some of the principles we've actually talked about there's five of those principles are in that book and I've, i'm giving it away as a gift to everybody who's listened in today uh, because you're amazing, Denise, and if you trust them, I trust I them. Am. So they're, they're going to make the most out of that. So that's at fearless.biz forward slash TYS for take your shot. Um, and then you can just, you can Google my name, Robin Waite. I'm kind of all over the place, mostly for good reasons. <laughs> I said that. I've been in loads of newspapers recently, and I was like, <laughs> so I put it like all over social media as, as we do, and loads of my friends from back home were like, I never expected you to be in uh, the newspaper for good things. I was like, no, so i'm growing up no i'm not anyway we're coming to the end of the podcast and i end all the podcasts with the eight mile moment so i don't give a shit what anyone thinks about me i love eminem and he does all of his rap battles by saying the worst things about him he's skinny as white his mum lives in a trailer so that his opponent can't say anything bad back to him so robin what are the worst things about you oh good god that's a lefty isn't it uh well i uh i I, <laughs> you've really put me on the spot the fact this the mere fact that I can't even answer that question that's got to be a problem hasn't it yes definitely uh, ego issue yeah yeah um uh I my wife calls it anger but I think I'm just I'm just really passionate about life um <laughs> uh, you had me at my wife calls it anger yeah apparently apparently cycling is uh not is to be frowned upon but yeah. actually i get a real kick out of holding up motorists on a sunday morning uh because i know everybody loves that um yeah i i, I don't know I, I, I don't know i'm struggling i don't know what to say there you hateful hateful child <laughs> <laughs> i'll refrain from calling you a bike wanker at any point <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's an absolute pleasure. Forgot to say. And as always, if anyone else wants to be on the podcast or you want to sponsor a podcast, you can contact us at info at, that's wrong. You can contact us at podcast at find-surveyors.co.uk. Say goodbye, Robin. Thank you, Denise. Cheerio. Bye, Robin.